This is the Balance Period Podcast, where we tap into the power of reflection by observing life content from the past through the lens of present-day perspective with the intention of uncovering tools we can use to become more self-aware. I'm your host, Recovery Ray. Let's learn and grow together. This episode will begin after a brief word from our sponsor. Welcome back to another episode of the Balance Period Podcast. For today's episode, I will be reflecting with one of my very good friends, Mr. Jared Blinn. If you recall, I spoke about our relationship and how it started uh, in a previous episode. It was from season one of the Balance Period Podcast, episode nine of this time last year. So feel free to go back and check that out if you want to learn more about the origin of uh, our friendship. But today we will be reflecting on 2019. The purpose of this was for us to come up with something that we learned from 2019 so that we can use it. We can use it as a tool to grow and to, in all honesty, make new mistakes in 2020 so that we can continue to learn and continue to grow. So we talk about what we learned in 2019. We also talk about some of the ways that we will use what we learned in 2020. And then we actually finish off with a brief discussion on some of the key foundational pieces of the teaching process. That's something that both of us are very interested in. And I was grateful that I was able to sit down with him being a teacher to give me some insight on how he approaches his craft and his job. So let's get this episode underway. What's the most valuable thing you learned about yourself in 2019? That's a good one. Truly like self-happiness. I found whenever like I'm doing the things that make me happy, I feel more enjoyed throughout my day and I feel like it has more purpose. But whenever I don't have that or if I'm doing something or if I just making sure my time is truly used well. Like if my time isn't used well, I feel like my day is kind of wasted and I don't it's not very productive. And so making sure it's very well organized, structured and planned out makes it a lot easier. So just been working on several different things, but happiness for myself and connects to every single thing else I do as well. So what does happiness mean to you? It's like a feeling within to where I feel humbled to where I, I, I know I, I, this is where I'm, what I'm supposed to be doing and where I'm supposed to be at. Like it, I could be sitting here playing video games right now and just be content. And like, am I truly happy? no but it's just something to pass the time because other people have things going on i could be filling my time doing work i could be working on something for myself there's several different things you could be doing with your time it's just how you use your time is will determine your happiness and what makes you happy so yeah so i'd say working out doing things like that definitely contribute to my overall overall well happiness like happiness and mm-hmm. overall well-being because it makes me feel content with where I stand physically and then that affects me mentally and emotionally it's like because I feel confident and I don't don't feel hesitant to do anything because I feel like I'm in great shape 
to do, take on anything. Right. It's a good self confidence booster. That's for sure. And then it transpires into other things too, eating, eating better. Mm-hmm. And then you'll see different other aspects of your body change and your mental aspect change because you get to see all those characteristics change. But yeah, I would say also like the people that I've let in over the last eight, nine months, I've met a lot of new people, made a lot of new connections, had the opportunities open up in several different ways and yeah, made a lot of connections with people that bring me happiness as well. So that's a big, big key thing. I, it's more or less you can't go looking for happiness. It kind of like just finds you if you're doing the right thing. If you just keep doing what you're supposed to be doing, it'll find you. Definitely. What about you? What's been the biggest thing you've taken away from 2019? Or that you've learned about from yourself? Yeah. I mean, I think I said like seven different things. Yeah, no, no, no. I was honestly, I was just absorbing what you were saying. I was just thinking about a little bit more. The community aspect. But that came after. You found that that came after you made that shift for yourself mentally. For right? sure. You shifted it. You were like, I'm going to now put my time and energy into the things that I enjoy and the things that bring me happiness. And then naturally, your life continued to expand in that area with the other people that you attracted. And then that just continued to snowball into greater opportunities to express who you are and share that happiness with others and then it's just kind of just a big happy bubble most definitely yeah that's kind of cool i I gotta see that a lot through my students going to watch their events and things like that getting the feedback from parents having that feedback heard from my administration like yeah all that stuff it, it makes you feel like okay your purpose is still there and it keeps you hungry to keep doing what you do so that's a big thing that's awesome though that's dope mine 2019 I normally think through my life in like a a moment to moment basis so I've realized that in any given moment because I am already whole that I have everything that I need to accomplish anything that I could want if that makes sense so one of the things that I have been thinking about a lot is that is that paradox right because sometimes i truly believe that and i act that out and other times it doesn't happen so there's inconsistencies that i've noticed throughout this year and i realize that there is a reason behind it and that for me i would judge that so when i would notice those inconsistencies i would then throw judgment on it and determine whether it was right or wrong or good or bad And that would just keep me caught up on the areas of my life that were inconsistent. So naturally, more things in my life would become inconsistent because that's why I was focusing my time and energy. So over time, I realized my perspective on what that inconsistency is and means to me will determine the outcome of, of me putting my time and energy there. So I shifted it to be aware of the fact that at every moment of life that I've experienced up until now, There are things that I know, and there are also things that I don't know. That's always the case. So if I am approaching every moment of my life from a perspective of me just wanting to observe what's happening, 
and to appreciate what's happening in that moment that regardless of where I am physically, regardless of what's happening happening around me, I'll, I'll be at peace. Okay. So that I would say learning that and becoming aware of the fact that there's always things that I will know and there's always things that I won't know. And that it's up to me to be aware of those things in the moment and appreciate them. And appreciating them, in my opinion, means taking action on the things that I feel in the moment. And I know that as long as I do that, every area of my life will continue to grow. Whether that be with my mental health, my emotional health, my physical health, my relationships, my family, things like that, my friends, and then in my financial life too. If I'm able to keep that same energy with those five primary areas of my life, I know that in what five years from now, or let's let's just say in what am I twenty six and four years from now, three and a half years when I'm thirty, I know I'll be able to look back and see by that time see exponential growth. Now I didn't experience all that growth in one day, but I took it one day at a time. So sure. over time, it's gonna compound into something amazing. But we'll see when we get there. For sure. So this is the time. Yeah, that's the most valuable thing I learned. Um, there's always things that I will know. There's always things that I won't know. So. Being willing to learn and adapt. And yeah, without judgment. For sure. Without judgment. From a place of love. And bringing that energy in the moments that I get to connect with people. Whether that be right now with you or if I'm at work and working with a client. Or regardless of where I am, I want that energy to be consistent. And at any opportunity. It yeah. doesn't matter where it's at. Yeah, so. So yeah, man, it's been a good year. It's been a good year. Do you do any sort of collection? And if so, what kind? I kind of stopped, as I told you, I was kind of like, I'd write stuff down there for a while. I was typing it up on my computer, but Mm -hmm. just kind of got away from that and just more or less would think about it at the end of the day or talk about it with my, like, friends, either you, my buddy Shane, uh, someone who has similar aspects in his life yeah. to mine, but also very different in other aspects. And, um, definitely talk to my parents a lot. And I feel like that's a great way to vent, get other eyes on it. But also after hearing their thoughts, it still lets me kind of process how I think about it and what I would do still. And I've been trying to get better at like acting on things where I think about like what I would want to like try and actually mm-hmm. just doing it rather yeah. than, Sometimes I just learn about the outcome. Um, if it plays out how I wanted it, awesome. If it doesn't, okay, learning experience, check that, write that down in the playbook and use something different next time. So, right. And so I'd say like the last four or five months, I've learned a lot from uh, just kind of getting back out there and like just talking to people in general and meeting new people and uh kind of getting exposed to different things not just getting out of my comfort zone i think getting out of your comfort zone is a huge thing and during one of these new teacher leadership courses that i had to do there's a saying that they say it's be comfortable with being uncomfortable i mean mm-hmm. so we have to get up and talk about things that we have no idea what we what's about to be talked about like it's just an on-the-spot type of thing and 
it's making you learn how to be a leader in different ways and it, i feel like i can connect it a lot to like my past military experiences so it makes it a little bit easier for me but you got other people around you who definitely feel like very uncomfortable and definitely, you can tell that definitely. they don't want to do it and mm-hmm. it's just at the same time it's like it's a, as you said with your statement about 2019 is like with open-mindedness and judgment-free like I don't care. Like I, I'll make a fool of myself. It's it's a learning experience for everybody there, and it's meant to be fun, but to take some meaning away from it too. So definitely, and I think that's what a lot of the people there lack is they have that fear of being embarrassed or mm-hmm. judged, and so yeah. Uh, I would just say the communication factor, how I approach things over the last, especially like five months, has changed a lot. Like prioritizing things a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But now uh, I've been playing a lot of volleyball, as you know, lately, and kind of put a toll back on my body again. So I hadn't been able to play like that since I tore my ACL that second time. So and that was actually really impressive to me that you have been playing the volume that you have been, uh, because yeah, for a moment there I was like, I don't know if he's gonna play competitively again, and then it went from like as soon as you were able to move. In a competitive way, you've been playing competitively. Oh yeah, and it's only been more. It's the, only been more and more. Like, <laughs> I know you're slowing down I know, now. But. I know. I said from the get, I said I'm not even gonna try to play it that way, <laughs> bro. You've been playing but with professional like, yeah. volleyball players. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, they hit the ball hard. But that's the perk of being good at what you do, is you're able to play at higher levels and stay healthy because you are aware of your body. You oh, yeah. you do exercise, so your muscles are stronger, which is you giving you a better. Stretch every day that's before what I'm saying. and after you work out. It yeah, matter. you I have to practice healthy thing. habits. So many people don't stretch before they work out or after, and I'm like, dude, you are like going to be hurting one day. Just wait. You're gonna lose all your flexibility. You're not gonna be as agile. You're not gonna be able to move like you once were. It's not gonna be fun. It's not gonna feel nice. But that's the thing. I feel like the mo- like people that I have worked with who don't stretch on a consistent basis and were never taught not only how to, but that they probably should or that it would be beneficial to how they feel long term, they get used to being tight and stiff. So that's just what their new norm becomes. For me, I notice when I'm tight, so I need to stretch to relieve that, that tension. These people aren't getting that cue to stretch. It's not even there anymore because they've been tight for so long. Oh, yeah. So when you do stretch, it is so refreshing. But you also then have to think about your relationship with giving yourself things that are refreshing. Sometimes that's weird for people. Oh, yeah. So they stretch. And if I'm there to lead them through a stretch, it works. And they stretch and they feel great. And then I'll talk to them and be like, hey, have you... Have you been stretched? Oh, no. I and I'm like, what? I showed you all these stretches. I demonstrated everything for you. You felt good in that moment. But they still didn't take the step to do it on their own. I'm like, it only takes like five minutes if that. Yep. Five minutes. That kills me, though, <laughs> is, is uh, as much as I've worked out since I graduated from high school, um, I mean, you know, we both were really big into fitness in college. And so whenever before I met you the first time I had torn my ACL, but I was still a very active person. I played a lot of sports intramurals. I worked out and lifted every single day and did a lot of cardio, but it seemed like both times that I tore my ACL the first time playing basketball, the second time playing volleyball, both times I didn't stretch that day 
Uh, for real? Is, I didn't work out beforehand, so I wasn't yeah. loose. It was just some pickup basketball the first time. The second time was a volleyball tournament, but it was just getting started. And it was just pool play, so you usually, you usually get about 10 minutes to warm up beforehand, but it was set up really weird. And it was the first time they ran this tournament, so nobody really had true structure to it. So it was just whenever the volleyball tournament was getting started up at a new place up here. So it was... It was a good experience, but at the same time, didn't didn't prepare my body for it like I should have, and end up paying the price of having to have torn ACL meniscus a second time. Yeah, man. <laughs> when that happened, I was like, "Damn, damn!" But you, you, now you handled it like a boss. It I definitely is a. It is draining both mentally and physically. Yeah. I have to do six weeks of non weight bearing on my same leg that I tore the first time Whoa. and so I had a lot of atrophy in that quad and it took every bit of a year and a half of recovery of making sure I built that strength up before I even felt comfortable because when I played the first time I didn't step on a court until a year and two months after. You, you were just playing sand? No, I didn't even play sand. I didn't play anything for a year okay, and two you. months. Like I, I was having like <laughs> almost withdrawals from playing. <laughs> I was like seeing all my friends playing and seeing all their story and it was just killing me seeing it. I'm like, gosh, I should be out there playing right now. But I just knew that if I rushed back, because the first time I tore my ACL about three and a half, four months after, I wasn't playing competitive basketball, but I was playing pickup to where I was still mm-hmm. jogging up and down the court. And honestly, I was doing it probably like three months, which was not good. And I think that played a factor in the second time coming around but i didn't give that first time true right full recovery process and so after seeing that the first time going through it the second time it made me take it a lot more serious the rehab aspect because it it messes with you mentally too because like if you're a very athletic person or if you like to be in shape it takes away from you whenever i was on the non-weight bearing i was crutching around everywhere i would go but like you can't work out your upper body twenty four seven. Right. Like I'm not, right. not trying to be disproportionate. So Yeah. Yeah, I think understanding more about maintaining a healthy lifestyle while injured is is definitely key to something that I think I will continue to learn about it because it just happens. So in those moments being able to keep habits that are bringing you joy, like what what you were talking about, what you what you found this year, and what For you sure. what you made the choice to do. Um, if we're able to do that in those moments of pain, then we'll like we'll be good because we'll be able to uh, still appreciate it for what it is. So we're not focusing on the pain; we're focusing on what we're grateful for oh, yeah. instead of the situation that we are currently in that we can't change. You know, you couldn't change the fact that yeah. <laughs> Uh, ACL was torn. No. You couldn't change it, you know. I'd love to know what the vertical would be before it turned. <laughs> I mean, I still think I can get up there pretty well for for turning it twice. Still compete at a very high level. Yeah, it'd be nice to say that I was a professional volleyball player, but that never happened. <laughs> but you never know. Maybe yeah, man, you me. never know. Who knows? I, you know, if, if you, if you if train you take, hard enough, yeah. you, and if you have the mindset, you can do anything. And you, you take care of yourself. So, yeah, yeah, man. That's literally all it's about. All right, so a couple goals for next year, though, is definitely to each year just keep self improvement and eat a little better, train a little bit harder. But like, I, I keep reading and learning more about the game and 
not only just the game, but like personally, financially, preparing for the future. But if I truly want to do that as something to help me travel and do other things in life, because I, I, I love to travel. And yeah. Volleyball is definitely a great opportunity. You can go several different places. Chicago, Louisville, you can go Manhattan, you can go anywhere, Hawaii. Right. So uh, I'm definitely game to go see all those places and yeah, man. be yeah. around that environment too. And so. if that gets you there and you're able to have a sustainable life while also doing that. For sure. And I think education yeah. and teaching gives me that opportunity, but at the same time, I, I'm open to any opportunity that comes my way too. Yeah. So. I just I enjoy making the impact on the students, and, but yeah, you'll be able to do that. Yeah, I mean honestly, and this is of course we're recording this. I think it's good to record it, but and I've told you about this. This is kind of that's what I want to do, right? Yeah. The per, my let's say not end goal, but what where I see my career going is traveling and training. So traveling, right? It might not. It might not be in a classroom, but we're taking the classrooms from city to city. Sure. We're training people. We're we're giving back. We're we're increasing people's awareness and knowledge, um, and teaching them essentially. And you know, there's an op- there's opportunity to do that, which is why I'm doing what I'm doing right now. Oh yeah. So. As you just said, I would there, definitely, these are the years where you're building up. Right for now. sure. So, and that's honestly one thing that I wanted to ask you is more about your approach to teaching because you are a teacher, right? Yeah. And I've realized that a lot of, a lot of what helps in the learning process is the delivery. And I think the more simplistic the delivery, the better. And what, what age group do you work with or what grade? I have fifth grade Fifth grade. So. so you have to be fairly simplistic with these kids. Oh, yeah. Right? So you have some, how, how, you do, you, how do you go about doing that? How do you go about taking the content that you want to teach them, right? Most times it's a little, it's a little deeper than what they know, but you're simplifying it. What does that look like? It just, it, it's broken down in several different ways. You, you got to relate it to some stuff you got to relate it to what they enjoy if you aren't making it enjoyable or entertaining to them it's very hard to keep people engaged it's just mm-hmm. like you and me on an everyday level like if if you aren't entertained by what you're doing you're not gonna keep doing it so right. you've got to keep kids engaged so a lot of kids are typically engaged by sports or athletics not all, but a good majority of them, mm-hmm. and especially in our school corporation, we yeah. have a lot of athletic kids. And so I'm one of two male teachers in the entire school, and I'm the only male classroom teacher. So I get that opportunity of having a lot of those students wanting me as their teacher because they haven't had a male teacher yet. Right. So that's also kind of a benef- like a benefactor for me to make me work well with students because they want to work with me and so i would say that making sure that it's engaging to them is something that has been really beneficial i i do things such as a game called silent ball and it gives the kids an opportunity to toss us like a squishy nerf like basketball or football around the room and it gives them that kinetic energy to just do something out of the ordinary because most teachers aren't going to call on their students and toss a ball to them and be like here you you get to answer the question now 
And whenever they get an answer and they've made the response, they throw it right back to me. And so it's like we just have that connection and it gives them just a different approach on learning. And I feel like that gets the kids who typically aren't engaged in the classroom, the ones who don't want to answer, the ones that typically do get a question wrong but won't say anything because they're scared of just raising their hand and doing it. If you ha- if you just have an object that, oh, I want that, I want that, they're, they're going to be more obligated to want to participate and I I definitely feel like that's made a big factor in this year's group too because I have a lot of uh, struggling students that it takes longer time periods for them to grasp onto a few concepts compared to some of my higher ability students and so I, I enjoy working with every student because it doesn't matter how long it takes someone to get something. It's just the process of them finally when they do get it yeah. and that light bulb clicks on. It It's awesome seeing that process grow through. So, gotcha. so it's meeting them where they are. Yeah, it's making sure, yeah, just essentially just making sure that it's relatable to them, something that they're going to enjoy and truly just talking to them, just asking them, what can I do to help? Like You truly got to ask them, what can I do to make it enjoyable for you or help you out because if if i'm not getting that feedback from them if they can't feel comfortable communicating with me it's only gonna get harder as they get older because communication is key if you can't communicate with your students or have some type of connection with them it's it's very difficult yeah because i have one student who has um a disability and so that student ends up having an issue where they run from the school and I have to go and chase that student down to make sure that uh, he didn't get hit by a car because at the same time that was whenever the middle school was releasing and so um, we were really nervous and I was the only one who was able to catch up with the kid and I got up there and as soon as I got right next to him he just stopped instantly just looked at me and started bawling and he was just like, I let you down. And I was like, you didn't let me down, buddy. I just don't want you to get hurt. I, I just, if you, if you feel like you got to run, just let me know and I'll let, and we'll work through something. Like yeah, if definitely. I got to, if I got to do something for you to get some aggression out, let me know and we can figure something out to get your aggression out. And so that was the first time I've ever had that type of problem or situation with a student i wouldn't even say a problem it was just more or less a learning experience because it's just something that happens i mean it happens all over it doesn't matter where you go that's gonna happen but i had never been in that situation i didn't have to put my hands on the kid didn't have to do anything it literally just caught up to him and he just realized i i don't know what i'm doing i i should stop and go back to school and so after that we learn different ways on how to communicate about things and break cards if he needs if he feels overstimulated and so making sure that he's met in any aspect that i can do to make sure that he's not gonna feel pressured in any way to where he has to run away i want right so so meeting them where they are and then communicating from a place of honesty and love. Absolutely. And then also, like the third component is making it a real world connection. If you can connect anything to the real world, they'll take so much more away from it. So I, I do a mini economy system to where it's like, 
my own little store for the students. So I'll take money out of my paycheck and I'll go to Walmart and I'll buy things that they like, silly stuff like silly string, putty, slime, and I'll buy like word search books, pencils, and I even like sometimes I'll get a parent donation. Sometimes I'll spend some money and I'll buy like things that I know they like, like boppets and mm-hmm. basketballs and whatnot, but uh, or a book. And so at the end of the day, whenever we're in the classroom. I'll be asking questions whenever I toss them the ball. They'll throw it back to me, and I'll go over and I'll give them a ticket. And that's like my way of like, okay, you're working hard. You're you're participating in my class. So it's like showing like, hey, if you participate, you communicate, you talk, you work hard, you do your work, you turn it in on time. Like you're gonna be successful. You'll be rewarded. And then at the end of the week, if the class has had good behavior throughout the week, because this is like my accountability for them too to make sure they're doing the right thing, like. If I say, hey, please stop talking, other people are trying to work right now, or hey, I'm working with this student, I can't hear them, like, I'll, I'll do, like, this is one strike, three strikes, we don't do our ticket store at the end of the week. And so they learn to save their tickets up, and they can buy different prizes, so I have all those different prizes in there, and if they want to save up and buy the biggest prize, they can do that. Or if they want to spend it each week and basically only have a few tickets, they can do that. But right. it teaches them the value of, saving your money a little bit to get the bigger rewards if you want something that's going to cost a little more and also the value of working hard and participating and so it's just something that i i found that's been very beneficial for me so meaning them where they are communicating from a place of let's just say compassion and the then connecting connection. it to something that's relatable to their life, which is in a sense meeting them where they are too, but it's, yeah. it's just making that connection for sure um, through the communication and through whatever. Like you said, you have like a, a, a mini economic system with them. Yeah. So that's cool. That's dope. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to give this a listen. I truly appreciate your time and attention. Remember, any and all feedback is welcomed and appreciated. You can reach me on Instagram. My handle is at recovery.ray. Or you can reach out to me on Twitter. My handle is at mywordis underscore law. The final thought for today's episode is a challenge. It's a challenge for you to ask yourself, what's the most valuable thing you learned from 2019 And figure out how you can use that, whatever that answer may be, as a tool. As a tool to maintain presence in 2020 and appreciate the life that you have. So thanks again. I hope you enjoy your day and have a great start to your 2020. I appreciate you tuning in to another episode of the Balance Period Podcast. I hope you were able to take something positive from what we talked about today and use it to become more self-aware. This season, our goal will be to reach 100,000 households with the Balance Period Podcast. I am confident that with your help, we will be able to do that and more. All we need is for you to share. Share this podcast with someone whose life you feel this would add value to. One way you can do this is by sharing the content posted by at balance period on the three following platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can hashtag balance period in anything you post. Once again, I appreciate your time 
And remember, be present, be accountable, and enjoy your life. Peace.